Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, Pastor Josh Karstensen is kicking off the new ministry year by giving an overview of Peter's life to see what it looks like to follow Jesus and make him known. What does it look like for you to be all in, to be full send, to make Jesus known? After the message, you're invited to answer some application questions, which you can find on our website right under the worship service video. Now, here's today's teaching. I just find it a little bit ironic. Our, our theme for this year is full send, uh, making him known. Full send is a bit of like an extreme sports term kind of in its origins. Like if you're going to do something, it's like go all the way, go hard. And uh, on Friday, I had a bit of a skating accident. I don't even, accident's the wrong word. Just old man. I was just pushing my skateboard and all of a sudden my leg blew up. And so if you see me with a hitch in my giddy up, that may be the case for a little while here. I'm I'm kind of the 50-50 of maybe you need surgery, maybe it'll heal on its own. And so we're working on that, but uh, I refuse to wear crutches. Uh, and maybe that's my silly foolishness, but we'll be all right. Full send, baby. Um, our vision in our mission, uh, a little statement that we came up with a, a couple of years ago is to love Jesus, to live like him, to make him known. And this is not unique to our church. Right? We didn't just make up like this whole vision from out of nowhere. This is a vision that churches for thousands of years have been built around. Right? The, the language is unique perhaps to Northwest Hills. I would guess that somewhere in the last couple thousand years with billions of people gathering around the world, I'm guessing someone had this exact same statement. But we have a unique statement here for right now. But again, it, it's not anything unique to following Jesus. We just put some clever words around it, trying to gather what it means for us as a church and how do we put some action steps behind that vision. Uh, if you've been with us for a little while, you've heard some of the action steps, and uh, I'm going to just repeat some of those. So we talk about what does it mean to love Jesus, right? To love Jesus, uh, the ask here is pretty simple, and, and I think it's very fitting, actually, coming into 2020 is, you know, and we decided this in 2019, our first ask is to commit to Sundays. And that's never been harder uh, in the last, I don't know, a couple hundred years, perhaps, in America, or at least 50 or so years. Uh, but committing to Sundays is a big part of what it means to be a part of this church. And so thank you for being here. Uh, I, I assume a lot more people will be here second service and a lot of people are online. And so it's good that we're gathering today. Um, it's a really good thing. And then we also, we want to be a church that's very serious about taking our faith beyond just Sunday mornings, right? If you are into uh, uh, being healthy and exercising at all, we recognize that you can't be healthy if you just exercise one day a week, right? And so um, we want to be a church that practices our faith outside of Sundays. And one of the best ways that we do this is by being committed to what we call the spiritual discipline. And these are just ancient practices that people have been doing for a really long time on our own, self-feeding. We don't want to be a people who just rely on a stage to teach and lead us. We want to be a people who take that, but then also um, we're feeding ourselves throughout the week through things like Bible reading and prayer. And so we take seriously the disciplines around here. Um, also to, to uh, live like Jesus, we have two simple asks. And one is that we serve and we have tons of people serving. I, I love getting back together this morning uh, with our team here uh, early around nine, eight, ten or so. We probably had, 
I don't know, 50 people praying together in a circle, all ages, people serving in different capacities for this morning, um, praying that God would move here at our church, that God would move in our city this morning. And it takes hundreds of people to make Northwest Hills what it is. And so um, thank you for serving. And we also believe that uh, to be a part of our church means that you, you, want, you need to belong, that you need to belong in community. And there's, there's a lot of different ways to do that, um, obviously. But one of the ways that we think is really uh, kind of the, the best way or the easiest way is to be involved in what we call community groups. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about those in the next couple of weeks as we're going to kind of relaunch those starting September 26. But uh, essentially, you've got a small group of people who's committed to meet together to share life and uh, really to share the, a commitment to growing in our faith together. And so we believe in serving. We believe in community. And then kind of that last piece is we believe in making Jesus known. And that's what we're going to look at this year. So uh, if, if you've been following the big picture of the last couple of years, uh, in, starting in 2019, we looked at what does it look like to love Jesus? And we kind of started with the foundation of the disciplines, and then we moved into the study in Romans and trying to lay that foundation of who is God? Right? Who is God? Who are we? What's our relationship to one another? And we, we studied that book for about half the year. And then we transitioned to uh, the book of Exodus, looking at, man, what does it look like? What's the foundation of faith look like? Because the book of Exodus really is a foundation for understanding the whole theme of God throughout the entire Bible and throughout history. And we, we looked at this theme of what it looks like for a people to naturally be enslaved, but then for God to free us. And so we kind of worked through that whole thing in the book of Exodus. And then last year, um, um, our theme was live, defining what it means to live. And we started finishing out the Exodus, basically looking at the fact that once we are set free, we have a proclivity to want to go back. And that was what we saw in the Exodus in that latter part. When, when this nation was free, they, they had this kind of perpetual propensity to want to go back to slavery. And, and that's kind of the natural desire of mankind. But Jesus invites us to something better than that. And then we looked at uh, the life of Jesus in our study in John, right? We were about eight months in that and kind of looking at the story that Jesus, uh, through the eyes of John, how he lived. And Jesus invites us to live a life of significant meaning and purpose. Um, but then we also saw that Jesus not only to, invites us to live how he lived, which is really amazing, but he died because we can't live that way all the time, and we don't live how we even want to live. And so Jesus came to live as an example for us, but he also came to die in place of us. And so this year, we're kind of at our, our final piece of our vision, that last piece of making him known, full send to make him known. So, so what does that mean? Right? You, you see kind of this phrase, full send to make them known, and, and your mind might go a lot of different places. You know, I, I think the first time that I kind of thought of it, I thought like, well, does this mean we're all going to start wearing like white shirts, black ties, pants, and a helmet and name tag and start going to, like door to door? Like, is that what making him known means? And I don't know, like maybe for some of you, I mean, maybe sans the name tag and helmet, um, maybe that's what God might ask you to do this year, right? Are we going to go all like posters everywhere and billboards? And I, I, I don't know, you know, if you're here and maybe you're just exploring faith for the first time and you're wondering, well, why would I be all in to make him known if I'm not even sure that I know him? Right? I think that's a very valid question for some of us in our faith. Like, why, why would I commit to a church that's all about this one thing if I'm not quite there? Right? What if you have been a Christian for a while and maybe you, you feel a bit tired because you feel like you've put years and years and effort into making him known without a lot of results? Right? Maybe you've been there. 
Maybe you're kind of really acutely aware of the world that we're living in, and you're saying, well, we live in a very post-Christian world, and man, you know, this whole faith idea is not new to many people. In fact, a lot of people know the the basic ideas of it, and the basic ideas of it are are actually pretty offensive to most people, and it's not good news for a lot of people. It's regressive news. It's not helpful news. So what's it going to look like to make Jesus known in our culture? Right? Maybe you're wondering, you know, I, I, what's my role in making him known anyways? I thought God is sovereign and he works all things together for good. Like, how, what is my role in this? And these are some big questions that we all have about what it means to make him known. And we're going to look at all these throughout this year. And man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of tackling some of these big things. In order to do that, we're going to be studying uh, the book of Ruth, which is actually a little bit surprising if you know the book of Ruth. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to looking at Ruth in a very unique way. And we're going to really slow down in our study of Ruth. Um, if you've uh, kind of noticed, we've kind of taken on some larger books the last two years. You know, you think of Romans, I think it's like 16 chapters. And uh, Exodus is longer. John was 21 chapters. And as a whole, we've kind of taken either one week or two weeks to get through an entire chapter. And I mean, you're just moving at that pace. So we're going to grab the e-break here and do something very different. We're going to take a deep dive in the book of Ruth. Ruth is a, is a pretty simple book. It's a narrative. Uh, it's four chapters long, but we're going to take 10 weeks to go through the book of Ruth. Uh, that should take us, that will take us all the way basically to Thanksgiving. And we're going to look at some broader themes throughout um, Ruth and what it means to make Jesus known. And we're going to look at themes like um, uh, gender roles and patriarchy. We're going to look at themes like friendship and commitment and families, uh, themes like evil and tragedy and suffering and hardship and race and nations and the origins of Scripture and reliability of Scripture and our will and God's will, all as it pertains to making Jesus known. And so, um, you know, it's, it's fun to look at the the incredible stories of the Old Testament, how God moves and works, but sometimes it feels a little disconnected from our lives because maybe we don't see the parting of Red Seas quite like they, like Moses saw it. But I think a lot of us will resonate um, with a story like Ruth, where God is working behind the scenes in a lot of ways through our obedience and through kind of a, a faithful call to follow him. And I promise you, Ruth is a whole lot more than just a sweet little love story of a, of a lost peasant girl who gets saved by a, a rich guy. Um, while it is a, a fun story, love story, that is talked about often, there are some pretty dynamic themes throughout it. And so I'm very much looking forward to doing that. We're going to start that next week. And uh, we're going to pass out our, our Ruth journals next week as well. And if you've been with us last year, we've started handing out journals per our series. And man, I, I think those are awesome. Um, I think they're a really, really helpful tool um, to just guide us along in our study. You can take notes on that. It's kind of a, it's a simple way to remind ourselves that, hey, I need to do something on my own. And uh, a lot of effort gets put into making those. And I would just encourage you next week, grab one. We'll have a bunch of them printed out. We'll be handing them out. Uh, if you're online, we'll have a version online that you can grab and print out at home as well. Um, but yeah, kind of a, a neat uh, a tool to go along with our study. But today, um, instead of just talking about introduction, we are going to open up our Bibles, I promise you here. Um, we're going we're gonna to continue off really where we left off in the book of John. I'm going to repeat some things that I said a couple weeks ago, but then we're going to see what did it look like for Peter to really follow Jesus. So we're going to do a very, very brief kind of overview of Peter's life as seen in Acts, um, really looking at what does full send, what does following Jesus look like from start to finish to give us really kind of a blueprint of following Jesus in our lives. And so um, I've got a brief, real brief, nine-point sermon. Um, 
It'll be, it'll be, it'll be brief, I promise you. I'm supposed to, yeah, we'll go. Nine points here. Uh, looking at Peter's life and how he followed Jesus when Jesus said, follow me. So uh, if you're a note taker, I'm just, I'll tell you straight up what the points are as we go along. And uh, again, today's sermon will be a little bit different style than I, how I typically would do. We're just going to kind of jump around through the story of Acts. But it starts in John 21. So point number one, we are specifically sent to make Jesus known. Point number one, we are specifically sent to make Jesus known. So if we pick up where we left off in John 21, we've got uh, the, the relationship between Peter and Jesus where, you know, back in uh, before Jesus is killed, Peter denies knowing Jesus multiple times and he's filled with regret and remorse. And the relationship between Jesus and Peter is, is strained a little bit, particularly from Peter's point of view. And uh, Jesus raised from the dead and he has a couple interactions with Peter, but they don't really have any clarity about kind of what it meant for Peter to deny Jesus until we get to the very end of John 21. And at the very end, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, Jesus reaffirms Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? If you love me, you're going to be a leader. If you love me, you're going to love my people. If you love me, you're going to follow me. And he calls him, I want you to follow me which is pretty interesting when you think about, well, what does it mean for Peter to follow Jesus? Especially for us, because we know that Jesus is about to leave. Typically, when we think of following someone, we think of like immediately doing the exact same thing that they're doing as they do it, right? Typically, when you think of follow me, it's like, well, follow me down this trail, follow me on this hike, follow me in my car. But we know that Jesus leaves. So it's kind of a weird instruction. Follow me. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to be here. So Jesus invites Peter to follow me, and and Peter's like, okay, I'm in. I will follow you. And then immediately after this, uh, Peter starts looking around, and he's going, well, what about John over here? How's he going to follow you? And you remember from a couple weeks ago, uh, Jesus has something very specific to say to to Peter about his reaction to John. We see this in uh, verse 22 of chapter 21. He says, what does it matter to you what I do with John? And then he says these three words. He says, you follow me. You follow me. I think as we're preparing for this next year, I think those are some very strong, very beautiful, very clear words for each one of us. He's saying, I want you to follow me. I'm not asking Northwest Hills to follow me. I'm not asking this like entity of people to follow me. I'm not asking this broad stroke like, hey, if anyone wants to follow me, it's a very clear, very concise, very pointed invitation. He says, don't worry about what other people are doing. I'm asking you to follow me. So what does it look like for you? And one thing that I love about the church, one thing I love about our church is that there's a lot of different yous in here. Right? There's a lot of different yous with us, right? We're all very, very different. You know, I think it's interesting. Um, I don't want to go too far down this road, but in culture right now, um, we, we've tried to kind of caricature people into just a couple different camps. We've said, well, you're either this race or this gender, and that's basically who you are. And while there's some truth to some of that, it, we are so much more than just that. We are all very unique individuals. We all have very different stories. We have very different backgrounds. We have very different skills. We have very different gifts. We have different ways to communicate. We have different things that we desire. God has placed something unique in each one of us. So there are a lot of different yous. Right? Some of us are single in this room. Some of us um, are divorced. Some of us are trying to figure out what the, the later years of life look like. Some of us are just saying goodbye to our adult children. Right? Some of us are finding out that we're having girls for the first time, Carissa Larson, wherever you are, this morning. Yeah, and Travis. Heck yeah. 
It's exciting. Like, I mean, that's just, we're all in very different life stages. And so what does it look like this year for Jesus to call you and say, you follow me? It's a question all of us need to be asking. Let's keep it going. The invitation is more than just a specific invitation. We're going to see very quickly that when making Jesus known, we often don't know how God is working. That's point number two. We often don't know how God is working. In order to see this, you've got to turn the page, one page over to Acts chapter 1. Jesus is about to leave at this point. He's gathering with his disciples. He's about to ascend, and the disciples have one question for him. I think it's a great question. I would ask the same thing. We see this in chapter 1, verse 6. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Which is really interesting. Here's Jesus. He raised from the dead, and all the people are saying, okay, all as far as, okay, we're ready now. Like, you've conquered sin and death, and like, let's take on the Romans. Like, please, would you establish your kingdom right now? Is this what you are going to do? I think all of us have an innate desire to know what God's doing, right? Especially in our individual call. Lord, if if you're asking me to do something, what's the result going to be? We all kind of want to know this deep down inside. Yes, I will follow you, but what are you going to do? And we see Jesus' response, and it's a little different than what they anticipated, We see this starting in verse 7. It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Then he's lifted up into heaven and he's gone. You don't want to talk about a shocker. You're like, what? Like, I think for us, like, we all, if you're familiar with the story, we're anticipating this moment. You know, we all know that he's going to leave at some point, but put yourself there. Like, you're, you're thinking, okay, I'm all in, I'm going to follow you, and, and now, like, you're gone? Like, I just, I just wonder, like, what was it like, like, 10 minutes after he left? Like, are you coming back? Like, I wonder how long they just waited there. I would have been camping out for a few days. Like, I'm ready. Like, are you coming back? Because we're going to follow you, and how are we going to follow you if you're not here But he tells him, I'm going to leave you with power. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. If you remember back this summer, uh, some of our our guest preachers when I was gone talked about what this spirit was all about and how he's going to empower us and how he's going to lead and guide us. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave you with something that will guide each and every one of you. And Jesus leaves. But as he leaves, he says, hey, you don't need to know what I'm about to do. You don't need to know what my plan is in all this. But you're going to be my witnesses. That's your job. That is unique to you. You will be my witnesses. We don't always get to know how God is working. Point number three, making Jesus known involves using our words. Again, making Jesus known involves using our words. We see this in Acts chapter 2, right? Because what does Peter do in Acts chapter 2? He, he gets up, uh, and there's a large gathering of people, a large Pentecost, uh, or a, uh, this assembly of people for one of their annual celebrations. And he gets up and he preaches, and thousands of people get saved. And if, if I had time, I would love to kind of dissect what he does here. But ultimately, he gives people question, uh, answers to questions that they have. So as he's preaching, he's preaching to a people who have a context of everything that he's saying. And, and he preaches in such a way that he's giving answers to all of their questions. And it's a beautiful kind of a picture of how I think we're called to do missions. So I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to answer questions that people don't have. You know, I, I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, teaching people, okay, this is what righteous, holy living looks like. But what if you're not really asking the question, what does righteous, holy living looks like? What does that look like? 
And so I think maybe the better question to ask, and this is a question that we've been pondering with our staff a lot the last couple weeks, is what is good news to the people to whom I'm sent? Right? What is that good news? Because ultimately, the gospel is the best news for all of the longings in our hearts, and we all have those longings. And so to be good uh, people who are making Jesus known, we need to understand people well enough to know, man, what are the longings in their hearts? What are the questions that they have? Right? Because ultimately the gospel answers all those, and that's what Peter does when he's speaking to this large group of people. He figures out what's good news to them. Right? Is it good news that, that love is real? Right? Because it comes from God. Is it good news that your life can be intrinsically valuable and filled with purpose? Right? Is it good news that you're not a mistake? Is it good news that, that justice is a real thing? That reconciliation matters? Right? Is it good news that conservation matters because God created and is creator? Is that good news? And ultimately, all of us have a little different deep desire in our heart that we want to see fulfilled, and the gospel fulfills them all, but we need to know people well to know what good news is to them. And we see Peter doing this in Acts chapter 2. Point number four, making Jesus known involves miracles. In Acts 3, and we're going to see this again and again, uh, if you read the story of Acts, perpetually uh, Peter is healing people. All kinds of miracles are happening and, and people are getting saved because they're seeing something fantastic. I think one of the things that we want to be doing this year is asking God, God, we want to see more miracles. Right? You know, it's, it's something to be intellectual in our faith, and, and it's really important to be studiers of God's Word and to mold and shape our minds to be like Jesus and to have answers to questions that people are asking. But sometimes you get to the point where, you know, uh, you can study all you want, but what you really need is a miracle. Right? I've shared this story a few times, I think, but a few years ago, my wife and I were doing a study with someone who was interested in being a Christian, and we kind of walked through all the basic tenets of faith, and at some point, it's like, okay, I've heard everything, but I still just don't believe. This person was wanting to believe, but they kind of heard the whole story, and so I was kind of a bit at my, the end of my rope, and it's like, Lord, I don't know what else to say. At that point, I was like, oh, I should probably just pray, right? That's probably the best thing to do. And so my wife and I prayed, Lord, would you just show yourself in a vision to this person? They came back the next week. We didn't tell him we were praying this way. And he came back the next week and said, I had a vision of Jesus. It's like, that, that makes it a lot easier. Lord, could you do more miracles this year? Like, I want to see a lot more miracles this year. And sometimes I, th- I think that we just don't ask. And so sometimes God doesn't work because we don't ask. But maybe this year, maybe we need to ask a few more times. Man, I want to see some miracles this year. On the other end of that, number five, making Jesus known sometimes creates confrontation. Right in Acts chapter 5, we see this uh, scenario with uh, Ananias and Sapphira where there's these believers in the church who essentially um, were lying to the church for some different reasons. And uh, Peter has to confront them. They have to call them out. And, and man, being a follower of Jesus means that sometimes we have to call other believers out for our sin. And man, that's hard. Like some of us don't mind it. Enneagram 8s, we love it. We love calling people out on stuff. Um, Sometimes we wish it was more like Acts chapter 5, where when you call someone out, they die on the spot. But um, I don't know that that's like super helpful either. (laughs) But ultimately, to be a follower of Jesus, like sometimes we have to be bold. And you have to do it with like obviously humility and gentleness and out of love. But sometimes I think we're so afraid of confrontation that we never call people on their stuff. And, And again, this is not people outside the church. This is a brothers and sisters inside the church who are professing the name of Jesus. So again, making Jesus known will create confrontation. Number six, making Jesus known is messy. 
In Acts 8, this is, this is fascinating. If you know the story, um, a bunch of people in Samaria start getting saved. And this is really confusing for the church in Jerusalem. They're like, wait a second, like, how are all these non-Jews getting saved? We need to send some people down there to figure out what's going on, because this is not consistent with how we've seen people get saved so far. And so Peter gets sent down to Samaria, and he's kind of scratching his head a little bit when he gets down there. He's like, well, wait a second, like, what's happening? Like, this doesn't fit into my box. Like, how are all these Samaritans getting saved? Right? It's, it's kind of messy. Sometimes when people start coming to the Lord, life gets a little bit messy, Right? I've had multiple conversations where, you know, someone may be dating someone and someone gets saved and, and they ask, well, what am I supposed to do with this relationship that I had? Like, it doesn't seem super Christ-like to just be like, hey, I found Jesus. You don't like him. Uh, we're done. Like, that just feels a little harsh, especially since we were close for a few years. And, you know, what does that look like in a, in a marriage relationship? where one spouse is really trying to follow the Lord and the other isn't, and maybe one spouse is kind of against it. Sometimes that gets pretty messy, right? What does that look like? You want to talk about getting really messy. I've had conversations with people who go into a polygamous community uh, in, in different countries, and, you know, someone gets saved who has like five wives. What do you do at that point? I always just recommend picking your favorite, but uh, <laughs> joking. Like that, like that gets really, really messy. Like what do you do there? Like, what, what do you do if you've been struggling with, like, gender identity and you, you've kind of worked yourself into this particular lifestyle and you get saved? Like, what does that mean for you and your family? I mean, there's, there's all kinds of messiness that happen when, you, when people start getting saved, right? When families start changing, like, it just gets messy. Being a follower of Jesus is not always, like, clean and tidy, and sometimes it leaves us with a lot of questions. And that's what was happening as Peter went down to Samaria. What is going on here? This is very interesting. Point number seven, making Jesus known means we, we are constantly learning and often surprised. In Acts 10, Peter gets this vision. It's kind of a weird vision. It's, it's a vision of a sheet falling down from heaven and all these different animals on it. And essentially, um, the meaning of this is that uh, for a long time, God was working primarily within the Jewish world. And they had a bunch of different laws that they had to follow to distinguish themselves from other nations around them. And uh, in Acts 10, for the first time, he reveals to um, Peter that all of those laws are obsolete and the gospels for everyone, which is just a major, major shift in thinking. Um, it, it would be akin to like you have a, an entire worldview that's based on one set of living and all of a sudden through this vision, God's like, nope, it's going to be very different. And, you know, as you unpack it over the years, you can see how it makes sense. But for them in the moment, it was very confusing. It was like, wait a second, like this is, this is very, very new. I think when we're followers of Jesus, we're constantly learning new things. And so to be a follower of Jesus, I think one of the best postures that we can have is one of humility as we're sharing our faith. You know, we don't have to always have all the answers. You know, I think one of the best answers to say is, I don't know, I'm learning too. Right? I, I heard of a, an author and a pastor that I love who decided when he was younger to not be a writer until he was at least 50 years old because he said, I'd always fear that I would write something and then later regret it because I don't know enough yet. And I've always said, man, if I ever write, it's going to be after I'm 50 because I would be in the exact same spot. And it's a lot easier to just keep preaching every week because they'll forget what you said. But if you write it in print, I mean, that's not easily forgotten. So we want to be constant learners. And then we're often surprised by what God does, right? So after Peter has this vision and after he realizes, wow, God works very differently, the church has this meeting to affirm if God can do this or not. 
right? So that all the, the church leaders are gathering together and they're like, can God really do this? And I love what the text says in Acts chapter 11, verse 17. If, you, if you're an underliner, this is a good one for you to underline. It's a good life verse. <laughs> Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Basically like, I thought God worked a certain way. He did something different. And who am I to say that God can do what he wants to do? I love that about how God works. And I think a great application for that would be this year as we're thinking about, man, who do we want to share our faith with? I think, I think a great application would be sometimes we put God in a box thinking like, no, this person wouldn't be receptive. Lord, uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think they would want to hear I think, uh, I think very often God's just saying, no, no, try something and trust me. I can do bigger things than you ever imagined. I'm thinking of a relationship that my wife and I, uh, a friendship that we had with someone. And the first time that we met this person and they found out I was a pastor, they, and this happens pretty frequently. Like, like to take a giant step back. They're like, whoa, you're like super weird. Like, if you think you're afraid to tell people you're a Christian, tell people you're a pastor. And it's just like, whoa, like unicorn. I didn't know those were real. I've heard of them. I've never seen one. But, um... A lot of people haven't even heard of him. I've had so many people say, like, what is a pastor? Like, pasture? Like, I've never heard the word. But uh, after a few years of friendship, now, like, we're getting pretty close with this person. And it's one of those things where initially I would not think, okay, Lord, this is the person that you're going to be working on. But God has his way of doing things. He's often surprising. Two more points. Point number eight, making Jesus known is costly. Um, in Acts chapter 12, um, James is killed by Herod, and uh, Herod gets all kind of accolades. He's getting excited because uh, the Jews are, are very happy that he's killed James, because the Jews are not excited about this whole new Jesus movement. And so he gets it in him that I'm going to have Peter arrested as well. And so Peter's arrested. He's thrown into prison. And uh, this, as the story goes, he has this kind of miraculous escape from prison. But that's not always how every story goes. Right? We, we've talked about this before, but there are other stories, one like John the Baptist, where sometimes you're in prison and sometimes you're killed. And so to make Jesus known often is very costly. You know, and so a question that we ask ourselves this year going into it is, what am I willing to give up to be a follower of Jesus? Right? It, it's going to cost me something. You've got to imagine someone like Peter, like he's married, likely has kids, and he gave up everything. What does that mean? What does that look like to be willing to give up something significant? As we're going into this year, ask yourself, what am I willing to give up? Is it a reputation? Is it a job? Is it a friendship? You know, there's all kinds of things that could cost us if we're willing to open up our mouths for the Lord. Making Jesus known is costly. Last point, and we'll wrap it up here. Making Jesus known is a life filled with mistakes and sin, but it's built on a foundation of grace. Right, so after this point in Acts chapter 12, we don't hear anything uh, more about Peter. The story uh, kind of shifts and it follows Paul through the end of Acts. And we hear a little bit more about Peter um, towards the very end of his life as he eventually makes his way to Rome and he writes uh, two different letters to the, um, to the churches in the surrounding areas, really primarily churches that are struggling under persecution. But we don't hear anything else in the story of Acts about the actual life of Peter. But we do have one other interaction where we do hear from Peter's life. And this is an interesting argument that Peter and Paul have. Um, if you go to Galatians chapter 2, um, you see an interaction between Paul and Peter where they get into a fight, which is interesting. And essentially what you have is, is here's Peter, and he's living a duplicitous life. 
He's, he's acting one way around one set of people, and he's acting another way around another set of people. And Paul calls him out on it. He says, the way that you're acting is not consistent with the gospel. You're saying one thing, and you're living a different way. And man, how many of us can raise our hands and say, yeah, I know what that feels like. Right? I, I know what it looks like to say that I believe something, or even deeply believe something, but then my, my actions and my character don't always line up with that. And sometimes that can be really discouraging. Sometimes it can be discouraging if we, if we look at our theme for the year and maybe a year into it in, in August of next year and we go, man, this whole last year was all about full send to make him known and I don't know if I did a good enough job in that and I don't know that I was obedient here and I really messed up over here. And sometimes we can get bogged down with a lot of guilt and shame because maybe we haven't been as obedient as we want to be. And I love how Paul picks up this argument with Peter. He says this starting in verse 15 of Galatians chapter 2. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. See, I think this is a really important final point to land on because we've talked a lot about what it's going to look like this year to do works, to do things to make Jesus known. And in our effort to make Jesus known, we will constantly fail. And Paul says, hey, I know that you're going to fail, but guess what? Your faith is not built on your effort. It's not built on your works, whether good works or bad works. Your faith is built on Jesus Christ dying on that cross. And so God's love for you is not predicated on how full scent you're going to go this year. Right? We want all of us to be all in. Right? We want all of us to get to that point where we're putting our faith in Christ. If you're not quite there yet, we have that desire. We have the desire that all of us are going to say, okay, I am all in. I'm going to do what it takes. But all of that is built on being justified through faith in Christ Jesus. So this year, as we're preparing to talk a whole lot about making Jesus known, remember our nine points. Right? Remember that we are specifically sent, you and I, we are sent to make him known. Remember that we often don't know how God's going to work. Remember that making Jesus known involves using our words, trying to figure out what is good news to the people to whom we are sent. Right? Remember that making Jesus known involves miracles. It creates confrontation. We know that it's messy. We know that we're constantly learning. We're often surprised. We know it's costly. We know that our lives will be filled with mistakes, but we know that our lives are built on a foundation of grace. So this year, we're going to go all in. It's going to look different for each of us, right? And so my question this morning is just as we're preparing for next week, as we're preparing to get into the book of Ruth, what is it going to look like for you to be all in? What is it going to look like for you to full send and make Jesus known? Because it's going to look different for me, and it's going to look different for the person sitting next to you. It's going to look different for the person in the classroom over there. But I believe Jesus has something for you this year. And so I want to be a diligent people to take our time to ask ourselves, Jesus, what does it look like for me to follow you this year? Would you pray with me? And we'll sing a few more songs. We'll meet our interns. And then you can hang out for a bit and we'll get some food here. Father God, thank you for being a God who meets us right where we are. Thank you for meeting Peter right where he was and for forgiving him and then sending him and saying, don't worry about John. Don't worry about the other people around you. I have something for you. 
And Jesus, you have something for each and every one of us in this room. And it's going to look different if I'm 12. It's going to look different if I'm 84. It's going to look different if I'm working at HP, if I'm doing a mail route, if I'm working at Costco. Lord, that's going to look different for all of us. But what we want to do is we want to put ourselves before you, Jesus. And we want to, with open hands, say, God, I want to make you known because that's my command. Jesus, I, I want to be an obedient church. And I know that it's going to be costly. God, I also, I'd love a sneak peek at what the results are going to be, but you don't promise that. Yeah, the results are up to you, but the invitation for us to follow you is right in front of us. And so this year, as we prepare for what that looks like, God, give us a boldness. Give us a boldness to go all in, a boldness that's built on the foundation of grace, because Jesus, we know that life is only possible because you died for us. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your beautiful name we pray. Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, where you'll find ways to engage, including resources like our application questions. Thanks again for listening.